know, be by myself. But um, so at the end in December 2020, the Lord's like, you need to finish that book. And so like I had it all written, you know, but you know, I'm a language arts, you know, I was going to be a language arts teacher. Then I realized I don't want to do that. But so I'm like, man, you know, you just keep editing and editing. And it's like, man, you could just keep editing. You know, if you're not a teacher, you might not understand that. But, um, you know, finally, just like, OK, I'm done. I'm not going to keep, you know, this is not my a rough draft. So anyway, so in 2020, December 2020, Lord said, you need to finish that book. So I finished it. I put it in pages. Now I just got to put it in a pamphlet or something. It'll probably all fit in a pamphlet. But one of the lies that the enemy tells. Oh, so then. So then Copeland says, it's the year of the local church. I'm like, oh, that's why he wanted me to finish it, right? I probably should have finished it sooner. But anyway, but one of the lies, so every chapter is a lie that the devil uses to get Christians out of their church. And one of the lies he tells people is, you don't need a pastor. You don't need a pastor. So we're going to talk about that today. The title of my sermon is called pastors pastor is not optional you know when you go through Starbucks you know and I've taken I've taken some of your orders before I've taken some of them and I go and I'm like they want two shots of this three pumps of this a quadruple of this and I'm like and then light ice and extra berries or whipped cream or you know no whip you know those are all options right but having a pastor is not an option it's not optional we ought to have a pastor because the bible says we ought to have a pastor so whatever the word says that's what i believe right so let's open up our bibles to ephesians chapter 4. so god is building a strong local church say strong local church and to build a strong local church what does he need strong believers in the church he needs you to be strong you know part of the mission of our church is to build strong families that's not something that you can do without the spirit of god you've got to have the spirit of god to build a strong family you have to have the word to build a strong family right and it's also to help believers fulfill their destiny to fulfill the plan of god you can't do that unless you're strong you can't fulfill the plan of God unless you've got the strength of God behind you to do it. Amen. And so God's building a, lo- a strong local church with strong sheep. Amen. What does that mean, Pastor? We're going to have like we're going to have fields and we're going to have sheep and cows. No. If you read your Bible, the Lord refers to people in the church as sheep. And the Bible refers to the pastor as a shepherd. Say shepherd. So the Hebrew word for pastor is often translated in the Bible as shepherd. 56 times it's translated as shepherd. And only six it's translated as pastor. So, you know, when we think of the word pastor, we think of this religious viewpoint. You know, there's a pastor and... You know, it's just very religious. And we can have these expectations or um, these ideas of what a pastor should be, shouldn't do, should say, shouldn't say, oh, they overstepped their bounds, oh, they didn't say enough. You know, we have all these ideas. But when I say the word shepherd, it's a different, 
it holds a different connotation because there's no religious connotation behind the word shepherd. What does a shepherd do? What do they do? They watch over the sheep. They lead the sheep. They feed the sheep. So if we will get the mentality of my pastor is a shepherd and I'm the sheep, that'll change everything in your life of how you think, right? And so this is the image we ought to have when we think of the word pastor. Shepherd who leads, feeds, protects, and guides the sheep. Amen? Now, you know, natural things are all connected to spiritual matters. Whether you believe it or not, it's the truth. Um, Everything in your life is a result of something spiritually either happening or not happening. And it's the same for people out there who don't know the Lord. What they're going through, what they're facing in their marriage, in their bodies, uh, at work, the trials, the struggles they're going through, it's a result of spiritual things not happening or spiritual forces against them that they have no clue about. It's the same for people in the church. There are spiritual matters, and we come to church to learn about these things because everything in our natural life, it's affected by the spiritual side of our life. What we're putting into our spiritual life, how we view our spiritual life. Are we taking authority over things in the spirit? Are we letting things trample us? What do we know about the spirit? What don't we know? Right? So everything is connected to the spiritual realm. So our pastor, our pastor, I want you to start thinking of pastor as shepherd. Amen? So number one, your pastor is a gift from God. Say gift. What? Pastor Marcus is a gift? Uh Uh-huh. I thought Pastor Marcus was a man. Uh Uh-huh. He is, and he's a gift from God. Amen? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. Are you there? Amen. says, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led the captivity captive. He gave gifts, say gifts, to men. Who did God give gifts to? To men, to us. He gave gifts to men, right? Verse 10. He, did I skip a verse here? I think I skipped a verse. He gave gifts to men. Verse, uh, verse, verse uh, 10. He who, is, he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens. Remember I talked about last week how Satan went, or Jesus went to hell for you? So here's talking about Jesus. He ascended, but he also descended. (laughs) He went to hell, right? And then he ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. This is called fivefold. Say fivefold. These are gifts from God to men. When people say, all I need is God. All I need is the Lord. That's all I need. Is that true? I mean, it sounds good. It sounds spiritual. All I need is the Lord. It's all I need. Not according to the word. It's a religious phrase. 
not according to the word. The word says that he gave gifts to men and he gave these gifts. They're apostles, there's prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Apostle is a church planter. They're a sent one. This is called the fivefold. These are full-time ministry gifts. These are people that ought not to be working. They should be in full-time ministry. That should be their job, to be in the ministry, to pray, to feed on the word, because they are going to be feeding the body of Christ or ministering to the body of Christ or ministering to unbelievers in some way. So the apostle, they are sent one. They're church planters. They go all over. They'll plant churches. There is the prophet. They deliver words from God. Uh, Pastor Nancy operates in that prophet's um, office. These are also offices. Another word people use, their offices. And so they'll deliver words. Like she'll say, you know, she, last time she was here, she gave Sophia and Olivia a word. Or she'll give our congregation a word. They're, they're uh, the mouthpiece of God. Yeah. A lot of times they edify, they exhort, and they'll comfort you. Yeah. The prophet also will bring correction. Yeah. They straighten things out. Anytime doctor would come, he would say things and people would go, oh, but he was straightening. It's like a chiropractor. Let me straighten out the spine. Let me straighten these things out so that you can walk correctly and not be in pain. Okay. And then there is the, um, the teacher. Um, Pastor Nancy also operates in that gift. Um, uh, Gloria Copeland operates in the gift of a teacher. She'll teach uh, on healing school. Uh, Brother Copeland, he is a prophet, but he also operates a lot of times the prophets. They will preach and teach, um, but they'll teach the body of Christ. And so you'll have these itinerant, Pastor Ike, you'll have these itinerant speakers. They go around and they're teaching us about the, about the word, right? And then there are pastors. The pastor is the one that never gets to leave. All the other four, they come, they give you a word, they teach you the word. Oh, I forgot about the evangelist, I'm sorry. The evangelist, they usually are ministering to the unbelievers. Billy Graham was a great evangelist. He would have crusades, right? And thousands, thousands would fill up the stadium and then thousands would come forward. There was an anointing on him to bring people to the Lord. Some people, you know, there's a special anointing on them. We're all called to witness to people, but when he would give an altar call, you would see it was like a swarm, boom, to the altar. What is that? There's a gift on him. There's an anointing on him. So he was the evangelist, right? So all these four, uh, the, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, they come and they go. But the pastor, they stay. They're with you. Because what is a pastor? A shepherd. What is a pastor? A shepherd. The shepherd stays with the sheep. Now, a doctor, and I believe Brother Hagen used to say this too, they believe the pastor was uh, not the most important gift, but I don't know how they would word it. Like, you know, the other four ministry gifts can't operate without a pastor. Because when the prophet comes and gives a word and they leave, the pastor's like, yes, that was right on. You can also have a prophet come and give a word that's not on. So the pastor's like, yep, that was a good word. And then the teacher comes and they teach. And the pastor, he, he's like, yep, that was right. And he'll kind of back up that teaching, right? 
um, all of these gifts, they also need to have a pastor. A pastor should have a pastor. All of these gifts need to have a pastor. Amen. Our pastor is Pastor Nancy. It was doctor. He was our man of God before he went home to heaven. So the pastor is the gift that lives among us. And for this reason, it's often common for the sheep. Who's the sheep? Say, I'm a sheep. I'm a sheep too, to my pastor. For the sheep to become so familiar with their shepherd that they lightly esteem him. Now remember, the pastor, your shepherd, is a gift. You know, so here are some things that I've seen over the years. Now this was not the case when I grew up. When I grew up, there's a lot of honor for pastors. And I honor every pastor. I don't care if you're the pastor of the Baptist church, the community church. You're a pastor. It's a gift. It's an office. I honor that office. And I'm serious. And I will call them by pastor. I never call a pastor by his first name. By, you know, hey, Ed, Ed. I never said, hey, Ed. I said, hey, do- hi, doctor. Or hi, Pastor Nancy. I don't call her Nancy. I'm showing honor. Amen. Just like, you know, we teach our kids to show honor to their teacher. (laughs) Right? So over the years now, we've seen this familiarity because, you know, instead of being a pastor or a um, shepherd, I'm a life coach. That's not in the Bible. Being a life coach is not in the Bible. And you'll see pastors because they're trying to be relevant, whatever their reason. I don't know. But it doesn't matter. But, you know, it's not in the word. And so we, we can become familiar, call them by their first name, get used to the tone of their voice, fall asleep. <laughs> we can show more honor to guest ministers. I've seen that often. Because you don't hear them or see them very often. So you can become familiar with your pastor. But when a guest minister comes, you're like, woo. You know, we become glued. Oh, they're here. Woo! They're here, you know. Okay, they're here, but they're going to leave. We still honor the gift, but when you start to show more honor to someone else, another gift, than you do your pastor, then things are out of order. Amen? Praise God. Or, hey, I'm going to take time off to go hear so-and-so, right? I'm going to take vacation time to go hear, you know. But I'm not going to go to church and show up. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Just, t- you know, it's showing more honor to another gift. Yeah, right? Um, so, praise the Lord. So, 1 Timothy 5.17, you don't have to turn there, but it says, Elders, pastors ought to receive double honor. A lot of time in the New Testament, you'll see the word elders. When they were establishing the church, there was not the gift of the pastor. So, they would take older men probably because maybe they had more wisdom, right? Maybe in their 60s or something. And they would put them over that group of people until they could raise up a pastor. So that's why when you're reading throughout the New Testament, often you'll see the term elder, bishop, those terms were used because they didn't have the gift, uh, the office of the pastor yet. Timothy was a pastor. Amen. So in 1 Timothy 5.17, it says elders or pastors, you can say pastors, ought to receive double honor. So we ought to be showing double honor. I show double honor to my pastor. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. In my giving, yeah. 
in my listening. I listen to her more than I do anybody else. She is my main feeder. Your pastor is, is your main feeder. Your shepherd is your main feeder. They know you. They know you. Amen. Now, so number one, pastors are a gift. Number two, they are the fivefold offices, including the pastor. That's one of the five are to perfect and mature you. Let's look at Ephesians. Uh, oh, we're right there. Verse 12 says, continuing on. So these gifts are given to us for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. So God gives us our pastor and these other gifts to equip us, to edify the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of God. So when we're sitting under these gifts, verse 13 says, it's, um, it's bringing us into unity. It's bringing us into the knowledge of God. When we come to church, we're coming to hear more about God. We're coming to gain knowledge. We're coming to grow up. It says in verse 14, um, well, let's finish verse 13, that we would come to the unity of faith of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. That perfect man doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. You're without mistake. doesn't mean that. It means you're going to be a mature man. You're going to mature in the things of God to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we can grow up in Christ, amen, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but that we may speak the truth in love, may grow up in all things, say in all things, I want to grow up. And it talks about the body being uh, every joint supplies. But so the pastor's office, the fivefold office, is to develop us, to mature us, so that we can grow up. So that if somebody comes and tells us something that's not in the word, I'm like, mm, that's not in the word. Like, I know, because I go to church, I'm listening to my pastor, I'm reading my Bible, I've, I've gained knowledge through my pastor, and that's not in the word. So that you can grow up and not be tossed to and fro, to and fro. By every, because there's a lot of, um, there's other, if I could say this, then there are other doctrines out there. And they're not lined up with the word. Amen. So we want to mature. We want to grow up in Christ. You know, we don't want to be, you know, I know Pastor uh, Jan and Lorena made uh, reference to, you know, be like the little kid in the waiting pool. Well, now you're an adult and you're still in the waiting pool. You know, I love what Pastor Jan said. You can't do a flip in the waiting pool. Right? Can't do a flip in the waiting pool. It's going to be awfully weird if someone looks over your fence and there you are trying to do a backflip in the waiting pool. You know, you're an adult. You're like, eh, I think it's time for you to grow up and maybe go get in the big pool. Right? It's time to grow up, right? So, um, so the pastor's office is there to perfect us, to mature us. Amen? Now, there are benefits, say benefits, to having a pastor. There are? Yes. See, now, the reason the Lord gave me that verse this morning, study to show yourself approved. Um, oh, no, I don't think that's the one. But that you may always have an answer. You, that you may always be ready to answer. So when someone says, why do you go to church so much? Why, you're, always out, what, you're always there now. Are you in a cult? Like, what's going on? I mean, you go there more than you do anywhere else. You know, you can have an answer and say, you know, no, I'm going to church because the Bible says not to forsake the assembling of myself. I'm not to forsake, the Bible says, 
I don't forsake the assembling of myself together. Why, why do you always talk about your pastor? Like, who's your pastor? Why do you have to have a pastor? So you now you're going to know why you need a pastor, why we all need a pastor, right? What the benefits are to having a pastor. Number one, or a shepherd, you will not be scattered. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Amen. Praise the Lord. Say, I'm growing up. Thank you, Lord, for my pastor who helps me grow up. The one that sticks with me. He's stuck with you through th thick and thin. He's been with you. People say, if you can't tell me who your pastor is, you're not safe. If you can't tell me who your pastor is, you're not safe for me to fellowship with. If someone doesn't have a pastor, they are not safe. If someone gossips about their pastor, they are not safe. If someone disagrees with their pastor on a continual basis, I would even say just one time. You know, I had someone call me once and they asked me a question, they go to another church and didn't agree. And I'm like, you know, it's one thing. It's not even one thing. I want to say to them, you've never been a pastor. You don't know what God told that person to do. You're not accountable. That pastor is accountable for whatever the Lord tells them to do. And so, I, you know, you want to be a safe person. You know, if you have a sheep in the sheepfold that's always taken off, come on, let's go over here. Let's go jump the fence over here. We don't have to listen to the shepherd. You know, one thing about sheep is if one goes, they all start to follow. Well, it's the same in the church. You know, one of my chapters is my friends left. I should go too. That's a lie the devil tells. My friends left. I should go too. God, God my local church and my pastor has more, I say this in a nice way, value to me than my friends. I love my friends, but they're not going to help me when I get a bad report from the doctor. They're not going to be able to help me when um, I need finances and, uh, and maybe I, there's a struggle I'm going through. I'm going to need the word more than I need my friends. It's the truth, whether you believe it or not. It's the truth. It's the truth. So right here in uh, Matthew 9, verse 36, says, When he saw the multitudes... This is talking about Jesus. When he saw them, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. When you don't have a shepherd, church, but pretty soon that those things that were scattered in your life, those things that you were harassed, you know, the Amplified says, let me read out of the Amplified in that verse. Um, it says, when he saw the throngs, he was moved with pity and sympathy for them because they were bewildered, bewildered. In other words, they didn't know what to do. They were harassed and distressed, dejected and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That is how I felt until I had Pastor Nancy in my life. I felt harassed, distressed, dejected and helpless. Now I had the word. I had God. I had the Holy Ghost. But it was a whole nother level once I received the gift of my pastor. No more harassment. No more 
bewildered. What's going on? No, no, no. It's just like, boom. You just get under that gift and receive it. And it's like, you're blessed. The pieces in your life that where the enemy tried to harass you, he can't harass you anymore because there's a shepherd now where the, you know, the wolves will try and come in and steal the sheep. The wolves will try and come in, you know, and steal it. But the shepherd, you get the knowledge in your local church from your pastor. You're You're gaining knowledge. Now you're like, oh no, you can't come in here. Oh no, now you know your authority, you know who you are in Christ, what belongs to you, what you can do in Christ. You're not going to allow harassment. And the pastor as a shepherd is also overseeing, you know, and if someone comes in and it's a spiritual thing, I've had a person come in before and I'm like, "Mm -mm -mm, something not right, something not right about that person. And so you're like, pastor, why are you talking to them? You know, you don't know everything. You don't know because you don't have the insight that a shepherd has, that God has given the shepherd that oversight. And so, you know, you have to be really careful. Well, I just disagree with that. Well, you know, don't know what to tell you, except for you're on a dangerous path. Because if you're constantly disagreeing with everybody, every decision they make, you think you have a better idea of how things should be done, you know, Remember, sheep and shepherd. So the sheep's talking to the other sheep. I think the shepherd should do this. I think you're like, what are you talking about? You're the sheep. He's the shepherd. They're the one that has the staff in the hand. They're keeping the enemy at bay. You're a sheep. Why are you talking? You have no grounds to talk. What are you doing? You're the sheep. I don't tell Pastor Nancy how to run her ministry. What I think she should do. What I think she should teach. I, how, well, I think you should write this book. I think you should do this. You know, I'm not giving her any, any input. She's the shepherd for me, and I'm her sheep. I'm just following. I'm just gaining. Give it to me. Give me the food. If it's correction, give it to me. I honestly love that kind of teaching. Give me the black and white. Oh, ooh, mm. I was telling the girls I was watching one of her services, and I don't know which one it was, and I was like, ooh, God. oh, no, it was actually Pastor Morgan that was ministering. I was watching her and I was like, ooh, mm, 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 oh my gosh. Wow, I've been missing it in this area. Yeah. I like that kind of stuff. Tell me where I've been missing it so I can gain some ground, yeah. so I can move up in life, so I can go further with Christ, further yes. with my, in my marriage, so I can gain knowledge about my kids, you know, so I can gain more knowledge about the plan of God in my life. Yeah. Give me some instruction and if correction's involved, I'll take it too. Yeah. I'm open to that. I'm open to my pastor speaking into my life because it's my pastor. And God gave them to me as a gift. And I receive the gift. Amen? Praise God. So when you have a pastor, you're no longer scattered, right? So your pastor, um, when you have a pastor, one of the benefits is you're not scattered. A pastor, he is your spiritual father. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 4. Doctor was our spiritual father. Pastor Nancy's our mama. We call her our mama. Spiritual mom. Say spiritual. First Corinthians chapter 4. My question to you is, do you have a spiritual parent? Or are you an orphan? If I say, who's your spiritual dad? You should be able to tell me. Who's your spiritual mama? 
Now, I don't think there's any, you know, there's no, um, there's no male or female in the body of Christ, yeah. right? So for us, Pastor Nancy, she's our, our spiritual parent. Yeah. She's our spiritual parent because doctor went on to be with Jesus, right? Yeah. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 15. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, verse 15, 1 Corinthians 4, 15, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore I urge you, imitate me. For this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son. Paul called Timothy his son. In the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. We're not called to be orphans. We're called to be spiritual sons and daughters to somebody. Who is your spiritual father? Who is your spiritual mother? If you're in a local church, it should be the pastor. If it's not the pastor, then uh, you got to fix something. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm just preaching the word. Because there's a lot of instructors, but there aren't many fathers. And there's a, there's a responsibility on that spiritual father as well. As a shepherd, he holds a responsibility to, to encourage, to guide, to instruct. You know, you have to ask yourself, how many times has Pastor Marcus gotten up? If you guys didn't hear Wednesday night, I would encourage you to go and listen. It was excellent Wednesday night service. It was so good. And he gives instruction. He'll give correction. But what is it for? It's to grow us. You know, you can watch someone on TV and you can say, oh, that person on TV, they're my pastor. They are. So when you're sick, they're going to call you? When your child's sick, they're going to come pray for you? The one on TV that you call your pastor. They've been with you? They've been with you and your family? They've been there for you? Hmm. Maybe you just don't want them to get too close to really know all about you. Because the Bible says that it says to know those who labor among you. That's why we, we are together. We get to know each other. Guess what? We still love each other. Even though we, we may know things, we still love each other. We're a family. A church is a family. The people are, we are a family. The pastors are the, the parents uh, 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 spiritually, amen. And so there are many teachers, but not many fathers, amen. Um, so that spiritual father, your pastor has insight over you. He prays for you. We pray for you, you know. Um, there was a story about a pastor. He was awakened in the middle of the night. And he started praying for one of his congregation members. The next day, that person was in a car accident. And their car was totaled. And so the emergency workers came out. And they brought out the body bag. They brought out the body bag. Because they're like, the car's totaled. This person's gone. But when they got there, he was completely unharmed. Completely unharmed. The thing is, when you're a pastor 
And when we're praying, you get things, the Spirit of God, because it's a spiritual um, office, God will show you things in advance. Just like parents, God will show you things about your kids in advance if you'll get in the Spirit. So God does the same thing with pastors, like I told you last week. To me, I just say, oh, they're my spiritual daughter. When I know something's wrong with one of you guys, I start taking authority. I say, devil, you better get your hands off of that, and I'll call out the name, off of so-and-so. That's my spiritual daughter. You better loose her and let her go. She's free in Jesus' name. Or I call her body healed, his body whole. You can't touch people in our church. They're our kids. I'm, what am I doing? I'm taking my spiritual authority as a parent, as a parent in the Lord. Now, in saying that, you're all adults. So don't get all, you know, there are some flows out there. I've got to ask my pastor. I could buy that car. I got to ask my pastor if I should buy that house. I got to ask my pastor if I should take that job. I got to ask my pastor if I can, you know, every little step, if I can go to the, that grocery store or that grocery store. You know, it's getting into error. Right? Praise God. So um, that's, a, uh, that's out of balance. Be balanced. You are adults. You know, we teach you here to be led by your spirit. So you're learning, I'm going to be led by my spirit. Not to say, you can't say, Pastor, I'm thinking about taking this job. Will you pray with me? You know, that's okay too. Be balanced. But, you know, I'm not, you know, my pastor uh, isn't a, uh, a cult leader. You know, I can't do anything unless I ask my pastor. You know, huh? drink the Kool-Aid, you know. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying you have to be careful because there are flows out there like that. You know, pastor and I, we're not training you that you have to come ask us every little question. We're training you, read your word, follow the voice of the Holy Ghost, right? Now, if you're going to get married to someone, you say, I would say this, pastor, I already told Sarah, when you bring somebody, I want to meet them. And then you better come and ask me, what do you think? Because you're my spiritual daughter. I'm just saying. Now, does she have to do that? No. If she doesn't do that, am I going to be upset? No. Yeah. She's an adult. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to be mad. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Yeah. But I just gave her instruction. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, when you're in a relationship, you may not see everything that your spiritual parent may see. Just like kids, when your dad says, that guy, he's wrong for you. Yeah. He's the wrong one. How, how do you know, dad? You don't even know him. I know by the spirit. Yeah. Why? Because God's given him that authority in his family over his his kids he's given him that insight as a father right whether the kids listen or not you know that's up to them praise the lord but just be balanced is what i'm saying the whole thing is be balanced but god does give your pastor spiritual insight amen he prays for you um he gives you answers before you need them when you come to church amen isn't that what a father does you know i'm sure alfonso's like now when you go on a date, you do this, this, this. You don't do that. If the boy is this, this, and this, you know, what is he doing? He's giving instruction, right? You give instruction. You teach your kids. That's what a pastor does, a spiritual father, the shepherd. They teach. They instruct. So when tough times come, you know how to respond. I remember when the kids were little, Pastor Marcus, he was especially on the girls about, now, if someone comes and tries to ever grab you, this is what you do. You, you twist out, you do this. Now, come on, practice. Like, he would practice. 
He would, you know, he had those instructional moments of how to get out of something. If someone ever tries to take you down, you kick him here. You know, you do that, it's done with, right? He would give them instruction how to get away. Well, in the same way, your spiritual father will give you instruction. Hey, when the devil comes, this is what you do. When the enemy comes and lies to your mind, this is how you respond. They're giving you instruction in advance so that when it comes, instead of reacting, you're going to respond in the right way and stay free. But if you don't have a pastor, if you don't have a father, how are you going to know? How are you going to know how to respond to everything? You're not going to know. Well, I can read my Bible. I go up into the mountains. You know, I, I don't need a church. I'm saying this because someone's told me this before. I don't go to church anymore. I go up to the mountains and I pray and I read my Bible up there. Well, first of all, you're in error <laughs> and you're going to get more off. Number one, because you're all by yourself. Because you're all by yourself. God did not create us to live life all by ourselves. He called us to be in a family. To have other people around us. So that when we start thinking off, they're like, no, 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 no. So that they can be our faith buddy, be our friend, but also to have a pastor. So you're off going off in the mountains by yourself? Now, you don't have a pastor who's like, mm, you're getting a little off there. Right? Okay, I'm just saying. There's people out there that say these things. I don't need to go to church. I don't need God. That's a crutch. Okay. Okay, is that what you think? Spiritual, spirituality, that's just a crutch. This is how the world thinks. They think it's a crutch. I'm, I'm strong enough. I don't need that. That is wrong thinking. It's not in line with the word. I need Jesus in my life. I need the gifts, the fivefold gifts, especially the gift of the pastor in my life. It's a gift from God. And I need the instruction he provides to keep me on the straight and narrow to keep, to, so that I can fulfill the plan of God. You'll only go so far without a pastor. The, the, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher... The apostle, if they don't have a pastor, they'll only go so far. Even a pastor, if he doesn't have a pastor, he'll only go so far. You won't fulfill the plan of God like you're supposed to without a pastor. Even if you're in the ministry, you won't. Being in the ministry never takes the place of having a pastor. Praise the Lord. I appreciate the gift in my life. Amen. So they instruct you when tough times come. They, they teach you how to respond. You also receive impartations. I remember one thing Pastor Nancy said. It really just stuck with me. Most people struggle. Well, maybe she said many people struggle because they don't get to a place where they receive an impartation. Yeah. They won't go. Yeah. They'll watch online. They'll watch TV uh, of, a, of a minister or they'll listen, but they won't get in the place where the anointing is flowing. Can the anointing come through a screen? Yes. Has it come through a screen before for me? Sure has. God was there. I needed it. But it will never, ever, ever take the place of my local church. It will never take the place of my pastor. Ever. Even watching my pastor online. It will never take the place. Why? Because in Romans 1.11... 
Paul said, I desire to see you that I may impart unto you. Yes. Something happens when the pastor sees your face. Amen. And they cannot see your face through live stream. Yes. They can't see your face. Yeah. And as a pastor, I'll tell you, sometimes I'll look out and I see your face and God shows me things. He shows me things. But if I don't see your face, I don't know what's going on with you. Well, I was going through this hard time. Pastor, you didn't even, you know, you never even said anything. Look, you came to church for months and you never said a word to anybody. Or you told everybody but your pastor. We're a family. If you're going through a hard time, say something. We're here for you. But I hear people, oh, we went through this whole thing and I never knew. I'm like, they never told me. I didn't know. What am I supposed to do? I know something's wrong in the spirit. But, you know, I'm not going to come and say, you need to tell me everything in your life. And, you know, honestly, I really don't want to know everything in your life. But if there's something I need to know, I'm open to that. You never have to be afraid to tell us anything. About anything you're struggling with. Anything that you're trying to overcome. There's no shame. We've all been through things. I'm ashamed I can't tell them. Mm -mm. That's the enemy trying to shame you. You can tell me anything. You can tell Pastor Marcus anything. We're like your mommy and daddy. We love you no matter what. We love you no matter what. And guess what? I'll hook up my faith with you and we'll get through it together. But I can't do that if you're not sharing with me what's going on. Now the Holy Ghost will show me some things. But he also expects you, if there's something you need help with, say, I need help. I said, say, I need help. If you need help, tell us. Wouldn't you want your kids to tell you? You know, I want my kids to say, I need help, Mom. I'm going through something. I need help. I don't want them to struggle for months and not say anything to me. If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. It's the same thing in the spirit. You want to help them. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So you have to let your pastor see your face. Amen? Amen. So that you can receive an impartation. Praise God. What do I do as a sheep? Number one, receive the gift. The gift of the pastoral office has to be received in your heart and expressed through your actions. Amen? I honor what God honors. I honor the office, the gift God gave me. I don't allow myself to become too familiar with my pastor. I don't need another friend. Pastor Nancy, I don't want her to be my friend. I need a pastor in my life because the Bible says I need a pastor. If my pastor doesn't invite me to lunch... I'm okay with that. Matter of fact, Pastor Marcus and I have talked. We're like, we kind of like it. We kind of like it just her being my pastor. I don't want a friend. I don't need another friend. I need a pastor who hears from God. If they ever have anything for me, they'll tell me. They'll teach me. Someone I can feed on. That's what I need. Amen. I don't expect my pastor to be perfect. They are human. They make mistakes. They may say things. I'm like, oh, I don't know if you should have said that. Right? But I don't expect them to be perfect. Why? Because I know I'm not perfect. I don't expect my pastor to be the perfect teacher. I receive the gift on the life for my life. I don't expect perfection. 
Amen. I just know I need my pastor. They're looking for me to grow up and to mature in Christ. Amen. I receive the gift. I receive the office. When the words come out of Pastor Nancy's mouth, when the words come out of Pastor Marcus for you, uh, you ought to be like, that's straight from heaven for me. I needed that. Now, I'm not going to leave this place the same. What I heard, I'm taking with me. What I heard, I'm going to apply to my life. Amen. Praise God. Let's look at Matthew 13. We're going to get ready to close. I receive the gift. Say, I receive the gift of my pastor. Amen. Got to have a pastor. And you should be teaching your kids about the office of a pastor. Praise the Lord. It's the truth, whether you believe it or not. To honor their pastor. Matthew chapter 13, verse 54. When Jesus was coming to his own country, say his own. He taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hast this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother, is not his mother called Mary, his brother and James, Joseph, Simon and Judas, and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Whence has this man all these things? And they were offended in him. They knew him. They're like, wait, aren't you? We know your sisters. We know your father. We know your, who are you? Come in here. You know all this stuff. We know you. You're from, you're from Porterville. We know you already. And they got offended. Offense will keep miracles from coming to you. Getting offended. I, I learned this when we connected with pastor. I mean, I learned so much. I'm like, my gosh, I, do you know how much your kids are going to know by the time they're in junior high, if they're coming to church that teaches all this stuff? Yeah. I mean, I t- I, we were just talking about the other day uh, with uh, Pastor Jan and Pastor Lorena. Our kids know so much more now than I ever knew yeah. that we're just, we're, we're coming into the knowledge of. But knowledge progresses. And a prophet, Jesus said, a prophet's not without honor, save in his own country, in his own house. And he, verse 58, did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Offense will keep you from your miracle, and you'll be, there's no faith there. You'll be in doubt. So you have to choose from the beginning. I was going to say, this is what I learned from Pastor Nancy. I don't care what my pastor does, nothing will offend me. Nothing will offend me. You have to be like that. It doesn't matter what they say. doesn't matter what they do. Nothing will offend me. When Pastor Marcus and I, we moved to Seattle, and he went to Bible school. And we were in a church of 6,000. Say 6,000. Okay, 6,000. That's a lot of people. Say that's a lot of people. We had one nursery that was just zero to eight months. That's how big it was. One classroom was just zero to eight months, okay? We had about mm, seven or eight. And then we, Pastor Marcus and I, we served in the nursery together. We changed diapers together. He threw goldfish on the table. <laughs> Cheerios. It was like a trough. And they had these little tables with the little seats inside. And he'd throw them out and they're like, and here we are. And I'm teaching the Bible lesson. And him and I are changing diapers, right? So we started going. We went to church there because that's where he was going to Bible school. And um, so he was in Bible school. And something happened, you know. But something's always bound to happen. Something's going to come up. The whole, like, staff of the Bible school, like, these were staff members, 
started leaving. His teachers started leaving the church because they offense got in. Well, it could have been valid. This is the thing about offense. It could be valid. It could be like, man, that's wrong. Right? There wasn't sin. There wasn't anything like that. They just didn't like the decision the pastor made. So here's his teachers for two years. They all start leaving. Here's another thing. They all start going to another word church. It's not like they left and went to like, you know, uh, a church that doesn't teach the word. They're all going to another word church. Kenneth Hagin was at that church. You're like, oh man, maybe that's a better church, right? So I'm like, I look at Pastor Marcus, I'm like, and I worked as the, um, I worked in their elementary school. So I knew these people. They, we were staff members. I'm like, they're all leaving. Oh my gosh, what's going on? All the teachers, staff, they're leaving the, ch- you know, the church. And we would have staff meetings. Come on, it was like double the size. So there was a big church. Triple, I don't know how big it was. So I remember, Sarah, I looked at Pastor Marcus and I said, what are we going to do? Are we leaving? He looked at me. He said, God didn't tell us to leave. We're staying right here. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I knew that. I knew that. I knew that. It doesn't matter. Right? But see, what ended up happening was my marriage was blessed and saved because I stayed. I had Sophia because I stayed. Because we took a parenting class. If I didn't have that parenting class, I'll tell you right now, I wasn't going to have number three. After that, I'm like, we can do number three. Sure. So we had Sophia. And then Pastor Marcus and I ended up taking a communication class together. We learned a lot. So we stayed when everyone else got offended. Come on. I didn't know back then. Nothing they can do will offend me. No one taught me that. I grew up in church. I grew up in church. No one ever taught me that. If they did, I don't remember. Until I joined, we joined up with doctor. Doesn't matter what they say. Doesn't matter what they do. They don't offend me. I'm not, I have no say-so in the matter. When someone asks you, what do you think? I have no opinion about it. What do you think about what pastor's doing? I have no opinion about it. You want to give them a call? You want to talk to them right now? Let's give them a call. Because we're sheep, remember? They're the shepherd. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Don't get too familiar. I protect my ears from gossip. I protect my heart from taking offense. I protect my thoughts from thinking wrong. You don't think the devil's going to bring thoughts to you about your pastor? He's brought me thoughts. He's brought me thoughts about my pastor. And I'm like, oh, no, you didn't. You didn't. Take that thought. I cast that thought down. That is not true. And I'll say it out loud. That is not true. That's a lie. I don't let the devil talk to me about my pastor. I protect that gift in my life. I protect it. I protect the deposits that I've learned. You know, I heard one minister say this. He said, before you leave a church, you decide you're going to leave, you might want to ask, ask the Lord, what happened to me since I started going to that church? You might want to ask the Lord that question. Yeah, it's good. Maybe people wouldn't church hop so much. I won't tell you what doctor used to call them. <laughs> Cannot say it out of my lips. I pray for my pastor and their family. There was one situation, I'll just put it this way, where I regretted not praying for my pastor. And they went on to heaven. Too soon. And I was, you know, 20s, 30s. And that was my spiritual dad. 
took them for granted because you think they'll always be there and you get wrapped up in your own life and everything else that's going on yeah. you know it's so easy this world so self-centered you know and after that happened I said Lord I will never ever do that again and take my pastor for granted I will pray for my pastor Pray protection, pray that they have the knowledge, the wisdom over them and their family. I will never take them for granted. So pray for your pastor, amen? amen. Bring your supply to your local body. Bring your supply to your pastor. Support in prayer, your supply in prayer, your support, your, your supply in your gifts, your talents, amen? Study your pastor. What does he like? What doesn't he like? I know what Pastor Nancy likes, and I know what she doesn't like. I remember when doctor would come. You know what he would do? First thing he would, you want to know the first place he would go when he'd go minister? Right to those bathrooms right there. I knew what he was going to do. I said, make sure all those bathrooms are clean. <laughs> and then I'd be like, I'm going to check those restrooms. I'm going to check them before he gets here. I studied him. I knew. Just, I listened. How did I study? One thing I did is I listened to him. He'd always talk about it. First thing I do when I get to a church, I go check those restrooms. See if they're clean. So we better always have clean restrooms. But study, what do they like? What don't they like? Come on, because it's our job to bring our supply, amen? It's our job to help them fulfill the vision. If they're always saying, why are you doing that? I told you I don't like that. It, they, they shouldn't be struggling. A shepherd doesn't have to, shouldn't have to struggle for the sheep to follow. Come on, hallelujah. Help them fulfill the vision. He brought me to my pastor to help her fulfill the vision. She, sh she says she needs an airplane. Thank you, Jesus, for that airplane. I'm not just praying. I'm going to give into it. When she talks about the academy, I'm calling it in with her. I'm helping her. When we talk about the building, we are bringing our supply yes. in prayer, in finances. Amen. Whatever the need. We're helping him fulfill the vision. Amen. And I'm not going to ask the sheep, what do you think about the vision? Okay, what do you think about that vision? You think that's good? You know, like, you know what I mean? Because like we said, one sheep goes off the cliff. All the other sheep are like, let's go. Because they don't see where they're going. But the shepherd has his staff. He's like, whoa, they're bringing on back. A sheep should not follow another sheep. That's the truth. And it's no lie. The sheep follows the shepherd. Amen. And God is the great shepherd. And our pastor is an under shepherd. You'll hear that under shepherd. They're the shepherd underneath the great shepherd. And we're so grateful for that gift, amen, because it blesses our lives if we'll receive it, amen. Um, we're going to get ready to uh, take an offering for Pastor Ike. This is our missions offering. As you get ready for that, um, I just want to, what came to me last night is, you know, Pastor Marcus and I were looking at a building, and I just wanted to update you on all that. We went to the bank, and they told us at this point they're not... Um, because of COVID, it, it might have changed. This was a few weeks ago. Daily, if with COVID, everything has changed. Um, but they told us that they are not, at this point, um, putting funds to build a building, but only to um, purchase an already built building. Okay. Like I said, that could change tomorrow. That could change next month. I'm not moved by any report. I'm not. But what came to me was this. A lot of you, how many of you have lived here for at least 10 years? Most of you. A lot of you guys have connections. 
you may know somebody you know and sometimes people will say hey you know call so-and-so you know we don't really know them so it's hard for us to call somebody and get you know their ear but if there's somebody that you know that has a building it could be even a church maybe they don't use it midweek um, or maybe you've seen a building look into it as a family start looking into it you know I know Brenda and I like when we're looking at houses together she'll send me houses and I remember you know and I would send her houses you see this one you know we're looking for each other you know as a family we're looking together so if you hear anything or you see anything you know thank God for it every day keep your supply and prayer confession and we thank you father for our building but if you know of somebody and you have a personal relationship with them or even if they're an acquaintance and you know each other you can always reach out and say hey is your building for sale are you guys willing to rent are you willing to lease that just came to